0: Okay, this is our Believers Meeting, September 10th, 2022. So let's begin today by turning to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. We're all familiar with this. We're not going to go through all of it, but that's where we're going to begin today. Psalm 91, you verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High no. shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Have
1: you got a Bible in there?
0: I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Thank you, Lord. Let's say this together. Let's say this together. I will say of the Lord, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He
1: is my refuge. My
0: fortress. My: instructor. My defender, my protector My rock, my high tower, my provider, my healer, my God whom I trust. Does God owe everybody in the whole world protection?
1: Yes
0: Does He owe everybody in the whole world protection? Well, we're going, we're going to see from the Word. Uh, you will often hear uh, someone make the comment, uh, especially when there's a tragedy or a disaster, you will hear someone make the comment, Why did God let this happen?
1: I like that song. I love him and.
0: Angels. It's not unusual to hear people make comments uh, when there's a tragedy or disaster. Why did God let this happen? When uh, all the while, these people they talk like and they live like, they don't even believe in God. And then when something bad happens, they criticize God, who they don't even believe in, for allowing this to happen, for not protecting them or for not protecting other people. Now, 2 Peter 3, 9, we know that perishing is not God's will for anybody. Second Peter 3.9 says it's not God's will that any should perish, yet people are perishing every day. Yeah. So we know it's not God's will. Uh, he, he goes on to say, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now the word repentance in the Greek means to change your mind and to amend your ways. To change your mind and amend your ways. Repentance is a course correction. If an airplane veers off course, if it doesn't make a course correction, it might run into the side of a mountain. Uh, they didn't plan on for this to happen. It, it's the result of human error. When people repent, they're making a course correction in their life where where they have veered away from God and his protection and his provision repentance is getting back on track with God in his plan and his will so repentance is not a bad thing it's a good thing it's a course correction because just like an airplane when it veers off course it's in danger of crashing and, and when people get off course and they veer away from God, they're in danger of crashing. So repentance is a good thing. Now, the talk of repentance is probably a rare occurrence in many churches today. There, there's probably not a lot of talk about repentance in many churches today. As Christians, we are living in the most dangerous times since the third century. As the last day's generation, we are living in perilous times, dangerous, unpredictable, uncontrollable, high-risk environment. And because of that, we're all susceptible to an untimely tragedy if, We don't make a course correction. Amen? If we're not on course, we're all susceptible to uh, an untimely tragedy. So, we're going to be addressing this question that many people uh, have uh, why did God let this happen? Now, if you want to give this message a title, we're going to call it Who is Your God? Who is your God? Now, along this line, uh, in Luke 13, some people came to Jesus, and they brought up a couple of tragedies that had happened in in, in the current events. Uh, One of them uh, was the people, um, the Galileans, who were apparently worshipping God, and Pilate had them murdered and mixed their blood with the blood of the sacrifice, animal sacrifices in the temple. The other tragedy that they mentioned was the Tower of Siloam that fell yeah. and killed, I think, 18 people. So they came to Jesus and they said, basically, why did these bad things happen to these people? Um... And in Luke 13, verse 4 and 5, I'm going to read what Jesus, how he answered, uh, how he responded to this uh, subject of why do bad things happen to people? And in the voice translation, he said, in Luke 13, verse 4 and 5, Jesus said, speaking of current events, you've all heard about the 18 people. Killed In that building accident when the tower in Siloam fell, were they extraordinarily bad people, worse than anyone else in Jerusalem, so that they would deserve such an untimely death? Of course not. Jesus said, no, this didn't happen to these people because they were bad people or because they were the worst sinners in Jerusalem. He said, that's not why this happened to them. He goes on to say, But all the buildings of Jerusalem will come crashing down on you if you don't wake up and change direction now. So Jesus was saying these bad things didn't happen because these were bad people. He's saying anybody who veers off course is susceptible to the same thing happening to them. And he said, uh, the answer is to repent and make a course correction. So he's saying these tragedies happen, these untimely uh, disasters happen, and because we're living in a curse-filled world, in that respect, we're all susceptible to these things happening. That's why we need to maintain uh, our course our course in the will and the plan of God, and not be veering off, out in some other direction, because that's that's where you open yourself up to these tragedies. that yeah. the, the uh, more of a potential. Mm. Now you might hear somebody say, "Everything happens for a reason." Well, that's true, and a few reasons that bad things happen to good people. One reason is that they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, they were with the wrong people, and they were at the wrong event. That, that's one reason why bad things happen to good people. Secondly, maybe they need to make a course correction. So, the only place, the only safe place in this world, according to Psalm 91, is dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. And he goes on in verse 2, I will say of the Lord, we are boldly to say um, that the Lord Jehovah is, he's my God, he's my fortress, he's my high tower, he's my defender, he's my protector, he's my God in him, I trust that's the only safe place in this world to be, even for a christian and he goes on in psalm ninety one to say uh down in uh, let's see verse seven he goes on to say if you're doing these things if you're abiding uh in the, uh, If you're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, you're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. You're saying, you're confessing boldly that he is your refuge, your fortress, your high tower, your protector, your defender. If we're doing all these things, obeying and following him, then he says in verse 7, a thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Amen. Hallelujah. So, the answer to the question, does God owe everybody protection, regardless of what they say, what they do, or what they believe, is no. No. God does, auto, protection is not automatic for everybody out there. Um, and we're going, we're going to see this. Protection is not automatic. And that's what Psalm 91 here is all about. Who Who gets this kind of protection? The one who dwells in the secret place. The one that abides in the shadow of the Almighty. The one that says the lord is my refuge the one and only lord is he's my refuge he's my protector he's my defender we're the ones that can expect to receive protection when we need help and not everybody in the whole world so when people say why did god let this happen they are asking the wrong question Now, let's turn over to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 12. Ephesians 2, verse 12 says, That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So he's referring, he mentions here, people who are strangers from the covenants of promise. So that's not talking about us, because he's, he's already says, at that time, in the past, when we were without Christ, then we were also strangers of the covenant. We were also without hope and without God in the world. But he's saying that's not the case now. We're in Christ. We have the covenants of promise. We are in, uh, we, God is with us, and we are in Christ. So where he says, strangers from the covenants, having no hope and without God in the world. When you see destruction, disaster, devastation, you are not seeing the work of God or the will of God. You are seeing the absence of God. That's what he's saying here. Having these people, strangers from the covenant, those who are, are without Christ, they have no hope and they were without God in the world. So when these tragedies and disasters happen in the world, we see disaster, destruction. We we are seeing the absence of God in that situation. When when these bad things happen, uh, these tragedies happen, that is not the work of God and is not the will of God. In John 10.10, Jesus gave us his job description, and Satan's job description. And Jesus said, when you see killing, stealing, destroying, you are not seeing the work of God or the will of God. So one of the major problems in this world is people, billions of people are without God. Billions of people are without God. And that's a major problem when it comes to people expecting God's protection, God's provision, and God's help. These people, they, um, they blame God for allowing s- these things to happen, yet they don't believe in God themselves. That, that, why would they blame the God that they don't even believe in for allowing something to happen? Yeah. Um, You cannot push God away with one hand and expect him to help and provide for you with the other hand. So so these people, God's not in their life. They've rejected God. And if they've rejected God, God is not following them around 24 hours a day providing automatic protection and provision. You'll also hear ignorant people say, I just don't see how God could send anybody to hell. God has never sent anybody to hell. The answer to that statement is it's not God's choice. It's not God's choice who goes to hell and who does not go to hell. That's the answer to that statement. Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But if people reject Jesus as the only sacrifice for their sin, there's only one alternative. If they don't want God in their life, there's only one alternative. And if they reject God here and now, they certainly are not going to want to spend eternity with Him. So the only, <clears throat> the only alternative is to spend it with the devil, who has also rejected God and also rebelled against God. So this is people's choice. This is not God's choice who goes to hell and heaven. God's already made provision for for, uh, eternal life, eternal salvation. He's already made this provision. But it's down to humans. It's down to us who have a free will, whether we receive Jesus is, is our sacrifice, or we reject him. And there's only one other alternative when people reject him. So it's not reasonable that people who have rejected God should expect his help and his protection. Do you do you see that? Do you see what I'm talking about? How so how does let let's go on in the word here and look at some. Uh, scripture. Let's see how God feels about this. When when people uh, veer off course and they turn their back on him and they reject him uh, and they walk away from him. It's kind of like, you know, uh, God said back there in uh, Deuteronomy 28, you know, if you obey my voice, if you Take heed to my commandments and my word. All these blessings will come on you. It's like he was saying there's an umbrella of my protection and my blessing. And he said, but that's conditional. It's conditional. Uh If if you obey my voice, if you keep my word, all these blessings will come on you. But if you don't, all these curses are going to come on you. So the blessings and the curses are conditional. And in the same way, God's protection and his provision and his help is conditional on what we believe and what we say and what we do. So I think you're going to, to see uh, the point Jesus here. He said that we would do the same things as him. He sure did, yeah. Last
1: Thursday, the nursing home took us all to St. Luke church in Hindhead. And it was absolutely pouring rain and blowing wind. It was terrible. And when we got to the church, I just said, "Peace be still. Stop this noise now. And rain you will go away somewhere else. Amen. And the devil you just leave us alone. We're going to church anyway. Yeah. Whether it rains or whether it doesn't. Amen. When when we came out of the church, the rain had stopped. Yeah. The sun was coming out. Praise God. And it's true. You yeah. can do and that's what Jesus said. Yeah. And uh, that uh, when there was that storm
0: yeah he's given us the same same authority yeah we've got the same authority in his name amen the authority is in his name amen and when you know that and you exercise on it exercise it like you did amen it still works today just like it did for Jesus amen it depends on what we believe and what we say.
1: Yeah, Amen. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Now let's, um, let's turn over to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. This is the Ten Commandments. Does anybody remember what the first commandment is? Okay? Yeah. Um, this is something we need to teach our kids and grandkids, right? They need to know what the Ten Commandments are. Verse 1 and 2, Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So first of all, God identifies himself as the one who performed the miracles of the Exodus event. And in verse 3, we find the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. In Egypt... And following the Exodus, Israel was surrounded by people who worshipped images called gods, other gods. Now, some people might say, well, Barb, this is, you know, the Ten Commandments, that's Old Testament. We're not living under the Old Testament The Ten Commandments are outdated, and they don't apply to us in the New Covenant. Now, there are some Christians that hold that view. Well, uh, first of all, Jesus referred to the Ten Commandments in Matthew 5, and he he even confirmed and extended their application in the New Testament. Secondly, Jesus made it clear, also in Matthew 5, that he came to fulfill the law of Moses. And the only thing that changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament is how we have been made righteous. That's the the only thing that changed. God has not changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. How we are made righteous has changed the the animal sacrifices of the old testament have been abolished they've been done away with that's what's gone we have now been made righteous by the blood of jesus who came as the lamb of god as a sacrifice once for all mankind and hebrews chapter 9 and 10 explains that in great detail so jesus abolished all those animal sacrifices uh, in the Old Testament, uh, and now we are made righteous by our uh, accepting Jesus and his sacrifice for our sin. That's the only thing that's changed. The word of God has not changed. Truth has not changed. God has not changed. And uh, the Ten Commandments are timeless Truth and they still apply today. Malachi 3:6, Jesus said, For uh, God said, 'For I am the Lord, I do not change.' God is a jealous God, and He still feels very strong about His people not following and serving other gods. And that in that respect, God has not changed. Verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. He goes on in verse 4, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. That's pretty clear, isn't it? This, uh, let's turn over to Deuteronomy, turn over a few pages to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6. I think as we go on here, you're gonna see uh, how God feels about um, people turning away from him and worshiping other gods and and the consequences of of doing that. Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and thou shalt love love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That's the song that we sang this morning. The first song we sang. This is a scripture that it comes from. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. He didn't say many gods. He said one one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy might. Uh, I believe I'm correct in saying that Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy more than any other book uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, And Jesus called this The greatest commandment in Scripture. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Jesus called this the greatest commandment in Scripture. The foundational truth for world redemption is that there is one God who creates and redeems. And this is what God is trying over and over and over to instill in the people of Israel. Let's go to verse 12. Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. So he says there are, there are gods, of the other people around you have other gods, but you are not to go after them. Now we tend to think of idolatry um, as an Old Testament concept, but I'm submitting to you today that there is as much, if not more, idolatry in the world today than it the time that we're reading about in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And God has not changed his views on it or how he feels about it. And as the church, we have to be on our guard that we do not become conformed to tolerating other gods in our midst. And uh, all you have to do is look around, listen to the language, listen to the talk. And, and this, you know, even Christians can suddenly, subtly be sucked into uh, this, the culture um, and the, the idolatry in the world today. So that's why we're talking about this. Uh, what, what kind of idols or other gods do we have in our midst today? Well, we have the God of entertainment, the God of knowledge the god of science the god of technology the god of education the god of environment and climate change, the god of government, just to name a few and the world expects uh, their gods of knowledge and education and science and technology and the government and the environment, the world expects their gods to meet to provide the solution for all the problems in the world. That's who they're looking to. And the Bible has one word for that, fool. Psalm 14 says, one, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So millions of people, not bad people, but deceived people are burning incense, chanting, praying to images with no eyes or ears or speech, worshiping images, worshiping paintings, doing service to and appeasing false gods. Now, we are not bashing these people. Uh, I'm not suggesting we go out on a campaign against them or anything like that at all. If you don't know the truth, you don't know. But can they expect protection and help from God? Yes. What a cheek. Does God owe it to them if if they have veered off course and are following other gods? How can they expect to call on God for help when they are... Uh, serving and following other gods. So, write this down. Tolerance is the first step to conformity. Tolerance is the first step to conformity. Tolerance and inclusion are two of the big words that are being pushed. In every area of society today, everywhere you turn, you hear these words, tolerance and inclusion. Uh, You are accused of being old-fashioned, an ancient dinosaur, an uneducated relic of the past, if you don't embrace everybody's beliefs. Is this true or not? Now, like I said, we're not campaigning to harass or slander these people or these false gods or the people who worship them. We're not suggesting that at all. We're just saying, in our lives, where uh, we have control, anything that we have control over, uh, there's only one true living God. Amen? Amen? In our lives and anything that we have control over, for us as Christian believers, there's only one true living God. One Savior, no other way to God except through Him. Now, this is a bit different from this uh, demand that we accept everybody's yeah, beliefs yes. now 1 Timothy 2.5 says for there is one God and one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus now that's not very inclusive is it that, that's pretty narrow pretty narrow minded isn't it Jesus said in Matthew 7 13 and 14 in the New Living Translation, Jesus said you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. He, didn't Jesus say narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few there be that find it? But broad is the, the way to destruction and many are going there. Here in the New Living Translation, he says "The hell, the highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Again, he's saying people make this choice. It's not God's choice which course people are on, which path people are taking. It's not God's choice. It's it's our choice. He goes on to say, But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Now, some people might say well that doesn't sound very uh, gracious or very loving to say that there's there's a, a narrow gate and it's only through Jesus and, and only a few are finding it and, and broad is the, the way to destruction and many people are choosing that path that doesn't sound, that's not inclusive is it? That's He's, Jesus is saying there's a narrow way, and, and few find it. Uh, and some people may say, well, that doesn't sound very, you know, very gracious. Well, it's God. It's God. The narrow way is the only way to eternal life. And because of God's grace and mercy, I mean, without the grace of God, we would have no access uh, to God at all, without the grace of God and and the blood of Jesus, we would have no access to God. So God is you know certainly gracious, He's certainly gracious, He's given us Jesus, He's already provided the way for everyone to be saved. It's not his will that any should perish, but the choice is ours, and God loves us so much. He's given us that choice, and he goes, uh, you know, he he goes on here, uh, because of his grace and mercy, it's because of God's grace and mercy that he's not willing that any should perish, so for anybody to accuse God of not being gracious and merciful, dear Lord, uh because of God's grace and mercy, he doesn't want anyone to perish. And that's why he's giving people time to change their mind and amend their ways. That is the grace of God. He's giving people time to change their mind and amend their ways. So there are other gods in every nation. This is, this is uh, you know, this is everywhere. It's all over the world. Turning away from the only living God is the primary reason for the downfall of past and present societies and civilizations. We only have to look back at history. Uh, We only have to look at the Bible. Uh, You've read the Old Testament enough to know, know what was the primary cause of Israel's downfall and destruction time and time and time again. It was idolatry. It was turning away from the one and only true God. God warned them. He, He warned them right here. We just read it. Do not let the gods of the people around you get into you. And and he even told them at times not to marry women from these other nations that worshipped other gods because he knew it would affect them and it would uh, lead them away from God. And it did. And they did. And and they were destroyed. Now, the reason God told them this, do not let the gods of these other people uh, around you get into you. He knew it would destroy them. That's why he told them, don't do it. He knew it would destroy them, and it did. Now, Israel had other problems as well, but turning away from the one true God to worship and serve other gods, that was the top of the list. And I'm suggesting it's still the top of the list today. It's the primary reason for every country in this world that is uh, going into devastation and destruction and a downward spiritual decline and moral decline. It's the same reason, turning away from the one true living God and turning and serving other gods and false gods. It, You know, like the Bible says, there's nothing new under the sun. Think, nothing's changed, really. It's just a different generation. It's still the top of the list today. We have our own gods, Deuteronomy 6:14 You shall not go after other gods the gods of the peoples who are all around you so God set Israel apart for himself This is why he said over and over and over do not go after these other gods uh, it will destroy you God set Israel apart for himself and he has not changed when Israel veered off track to follow and serve other gods. God compared it to adultery and prostitution. In the Bible, God compared it to adultery and prostitution. And spiritually, that's what it is. When we turn our back on on God and, and begin to worship and serve other gods, it's spiritual adultery, and that's the way God views it. And that's how he feels about it. Verse 15, uh, Deuteronomy 6, he goes on to say, uh, For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Repeating the same statement he made in the Ten Commandments. Again, he says, I'm a jealous God. So just like you would demand faithfulness and loyalty from your spouse, God demands faithfulness and loyalty from those who have joined themselves in covenant with Him. And, you know, if your spouse was running around with two or three other men or two or three other women, it's going to affect you. Either sooner or later, it's going to affect you. And if you really love them and care about them, it's going to... to, Bother you? It's going to affect you, and and it's the same way with God. God is not okay with us having two or three other gods on the side. Just like you would not be okay with your husband or wife having two or three other on the side. Uh, it would affect you. You would be jealous if you really care about them. Now, if you didn't really care about them, you might say, "Eh, okay, they got two or three on the side." you know that that would show that you don't really care about them you don't really love them if it didn't bother you so does God love you does God love us yes God loves us and he feels the same way he does not want to share us with any other God so let's read from the Bible how well God tolerates this uh, we're there in Deuteronomy. Just turn over to chapter thirty-two. Deuteronomy thirty-two, uh, verse thirty-seven. Deuteronomy thirty-two, thirty-seven. Uh, this is God. This is God speaking. He will say. Where are their gods? The rock in which they sought refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their offering. Let them rise up and help you and be your refuge. When the people got in trouble, when they got in a jam, they came to God asking for help. And God said, Where are your new gods? Why don't you go to them? Why aren't you why aren't you asking them for help? The the rock that you sought refuge where where is it? The the God that, that ate your fat sacrifices and drank your wine offering where where is he? Why don't you go to ask them for help? We are spirit beings and we were created to worship. And if we don't worship God We're going to be worshiping something else or somebody else. But we were spirit beings created to worship. Let's turn over to Judges 10. Not too far away. Judges 10. Verse 6. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtariths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Now I mentioned some of our modern gods of today. And the world expects their gods of knowledge, education, science, technology, government, socialism, to provide the solutions to all the problems in the modern world. And we're going to see here, from all these examples, when you replace God with these other gods, you're in trouble. And you only have to look at the state of the world today to see that. And the only way to get out of that is to renounce your false gods, to repent and call on the name of the one true living God, tell him that you are sorry for ever looking in the direction of any other God, that he alone is going to be your God and only he, only he, Only him you are going to look to and rely on. Amen. So the only way to keep from perishing is to repent, to change your mind and amend your ways and get back on course. That's the solution for the world today. Not these other gods that men have come up with. He goes on in Judges 10 verse 7. After, after saying that the children of Israel had turned away from God, they'd served all these other gods, so the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and to the hands of the people of Ammon. From that year, they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. Is this affecting the people of Israel that they have turned their back on God and and they're worshiping and following other gods? Yes, it's put them in 18 years of servitude and harassment. In verse 10, after 18 years of this, after 18 years, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord saying, we have sinned against you because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. So they had, wow. they had done two.
1: And they realized what they'd done, yeah. which is even
0: more real, isn't it? We should be able to do that today. Yeah. After, it took them 18 That's years. Oh,
1: isn't it? Yeah.
0: It took them 18 years yes. to connect the dots and figure it out. Yes. But after 18 years, they cried out to God and said, first mistake We've forsaken you. Second mistake, we've served the Baals. So the Lord said to the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians? God saying, you know, if I remember correctly, I think I'm the one that delivered you out of Egypt. I don't remember seeing Baal over there. I don't remember seeing the gods of Ashtoreth in Egypt when you needed help. I don't remember seeing the gods of Ammon and the Philistine gods over there when you needed help. I'm, I'm the one that delivered you, not them. Where were they? Where was Baal when, when you were in Egypt? Where was Ashtoreth? Where were the gods of, of, the, of Ammon? Where were the gods of the Philistines when you were in Egypt and you needed help? Where were they when you needed them? Verse 12 and 13. Also the Sidonians and Amalekites and Maonites oppressed you, and you cried out to me, and I delivered you from their hand. Yet, in spite of that, you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Is God ticked off or not? I would say God is ticked off oh my gosh God is a jealous God and he is not going to share us nor Israel nor his people in any way with any other gods and he's making it very clear here in scripture God is ticked off verse 14 go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen let them deliver you in your time of distress. What are you coming to me for? Go to your, the gods that you have chosen. Let them help you. Let them deliver you. And God has not changed. He doesn't appreciate people forsaking him and turning to other gods now any more than he did then. But if God were working for an organization today, he'd probably be sent off on a course. To he, they'd say, God, you need a course on diversity and inclusion. So you're, you're just too narrow-minded and you just are too intolerant. We're going to send you on a course of diversity and inclusion to straighten him out. Why the big push? For climate change today. Everywhere you look. Why the big push? Because it's another God. It's another God. It's it's not a new God. It's a very, very old religion. We hear people talk about Mother Earth. When there is no Mother Earth. Uh, I looked up the definition for Mother Earth. Even though there's not a Mother Earth, I looked up the definition. The Earth considered as the source of all its living beings and natural features. Not God being the source of all living beings, but the Earth itself as as a God. Uh, God, The Earth itself produced all the living beings and natural features. That's, That's the concept. There is no Mother Earth. There's only Father God who created the heavens and the earth and all the living beings in it. I also looked up uh, Mother Nature. The definition says, Nature personified as a creative and controlling force affecting the world and humans. Nature personified is a creative and controlling force affecting the world and humans. But really the climate change worshippers they believe the humans are uh, having a devastating effect on the earth, not the earth controlling humans, but the humans are having a devastating effect on the environment and on the earth. So they're blaming people. They blame people for the the, uh, natural disasters uh, and uh, anything anything negative in in, uh, concerning the climate its people's fault for those who have rejected God climate change is their gospel message and the environment is their God and they are even willing to sacrifice millions of human beings in order to save the planet and this is not a conspiracy theory this is reality. You, you just look around you everywhere. You Go to the local council website. You see, it, you see it everywhere. Now somebody might say, well, what's the big deal? These statues and paintings that, that people worship, they're inanimate objects. They're not gods. They can't see or hear or talk. Well, there are evil spirits associated with them. That's the problem. There are evil spirits associated with them. Now let's turn to uh, Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. And this is God talking. Verse 11. Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. So we, you know, you can look at virtually every nation in the world today. Has has a nation changed its gods? Well, just look around. (laughs) It's pretty evident that we have. The Message Translation says... Look around. Have you ever seen anything quite like this? Look closely. Has this ever happened before that a nation has traded in its gods for gods that aren't even close to gods? But my people have traded my glory for empty God dreams and silly God schemes. How terrible. Now, if, if all, all this... That the world considers to be gods that they're serving and following and looking to today to, for help. Uh, if that's not empty God dreams and silly God schemes, I don't know what is. Verse 12 and 13 Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Verse 26. As the thief is ashamed when he is found out, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They and their kings and their princes and their priests and their prophets... This is everybody. This is even sounds like even including the church, the preachers. Saying to a tree, You are my father. <laughs> and to a stone, you, you gave birth to me. That tree hulking
1: and everything. Yeah.
0: Yes. Worshiping the environment. For they have turned their back to me and not their face. But in the time of their trouble. They will say, Arise and save us. They turn, turn to God. God, why are you letting this? Why did this happen to me? Why did you allow this terrible thing to happen? When all the time they're saying, To the tree, you're my father. To the stone, you gave birth to me. But when they get in a jam, everybody looks to God. God, why did you let this happen? Again, they've been worshiping trees and stones. And when they get into trouble, they're calling out to God to save them. Is God obligated to deliver them when they have turned their back on him? No.
1: They see the creation, but they don't no. see the creation. That's the thing, isn't it? They
0: worship they the, the creation, creation. and yes. not the creator. Yes. 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 They, I see that they, they have elevated yes. uh, creation above human beings and even above Yes. As, as God, yes. so now instead of of God being man's yes. uh, man being God's highest creation, yes. with the earth,
1: yes. uh, with yes.
0: us having authority over the earth, now it's turned upside down, where uh, the earth itself, the planet itself, and the the environment is now worshipped, and man is the bottom of the list and we're even the problem people are being led like that that's the god of their absolutely their nation
1: is getting that as
0: god absolutely and you can't blame the children whatever
1: because nobody's saying what about the one that really exists yeah yeah so
0: because where are the leaders of the child hmm. ah. hmm. well here it sounds like it says they're kings princes priests prophets it sounds like they were all, they had all, all things changed. turned, yeah, yeah, they had all turned that way. Yeah, yeah. And so God says, uh, when you get in trouble, you say, arise and save us. So in verse 28, God answers them back. When they say, arise and save us, God answers them in verse 28. He says, but where are your gods that you've made for yourselves? Where's the tree that... Uh, That's your father. Where's the stone that gave you birth? Where are your gods that you've made? Let them arise. Let the tree and the rock, let let the environment arise and and see if they can save you in the time of your trouble. For according to the number of your cities are your gods, O Judah. Now somebody might say, well, aren't uh, they the same God by different names? No. No. Somebody else might say, well, aren't there just different paths to the same God? No. 1 John 2.23 says, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. And he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also.
1: That's massive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very like, that's like the... The knife yeah. going
0: down the That's the narrow way. He said if, instead, I'm if I'm you don't have the, the son, yeah. you don't have the father either. Yeah. So so forget yeah. all these other Jesus, paths. We trying to keep to the narrow way. Amen. Yeah. So we're just looking at some snapshot, some highlight scriptures here. Yeah. But if you want to read all the way through Isaiah chapters 40 to 50, you get a real. A real I'm overview of how, a yeah. real eye opener of how God feels about this. Uh, Isaiah 42. We'll just look at two or three more uh, scriptures here. Isaiah 42, verse 5. Thus says the Lord, thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out. So it's God who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it. No mention of Mother Nature, no mention of the fairies, no mention of any goddess. God says, I'm the one who created the heavens and stretched them out. I'm the one who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, And spirit to those who walk on it so who made the heavens and the earth and the universe and all that's in it only God God says I did it all by myself I didn't see any other gods there I did it all by myself verse 8 I am the Lord that is my name and my glory I will not give to another nor my praise to carved images. So this push for tolerance and inclusive of everybody's beliefs is causing more and more people to get into idolatry and false gods, forsaking the one true living God. But God has a people on the earth, amen? He has us. He has the body of Christ. We are the light, the voice, and the witness in the earth. And we are supposed to be confessing and proclaiming and demonstrating the only true living God. And if we don't do it, they're not going to know. And we are not to be conforming, blending in with the world. We're, we are not we are to be separate, just like God had called Israel to be separate from all the other nations. And Israel kept wanting to be like all the other nations. And God said, no, you, you, you belong to me. You worship me. Uh, I've called you and set you apart. Well, the body of Christ, we're supposed to be set apart from this world. We're not supposed to be blending in and conforming to it. Isaiah 43:10 Isaiah 43:10 You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no god <laughs> formed nor shall there be after me. God says, Before me, there was no other God formed, nor shall there be after me. So, this is about as plain as you can get. Verse 11 I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. This is about as plain as you can get. There's nothing vague or complicated about this. He says, Before me there was no God form, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Uh, Chapter 44, just turn the page. Chapter 44, verse 6 to 8. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me. Since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Do
1: not fear and do not be
0: afraid. Is there, is there a God besides me? God saying, is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. God saying, if there's any other God besides me, I don't know about it. So does God know everything? Yes. Does God know everything? Yes. And he says, if there's another God, I don't know one. So what does that mean? He's the only one. If God knows everything and he says, I don't know about any other God, that means he is the only one. Amen. What kind of power does it take to keep the stars powered up? The planets in orbit. Gravity in operation. Uh, Our next heartbeat. Our next breath. God breathed life into our parents, Adam and Eve. What kind of God can do that? The only God. The only God is the only one that can do that. So here we are in the last day's generation. End time events are taking place, prophecies being fulfilled. And it has always been true, but in this time, it's obvious. No man can help you. You cannot look to any man to deliver you and help you in a time of trouble. You cannot look, you cannot expect science or education or technology Or the environment or the government to help you. We need to know who our God is. You need to know who is your God. I need to know who is my God. Our churches need to know who is our God. Everybody around us needs to know who is our God. Now, again, we're not trying to shove something down people's throats that don't want to know we're not trying to cram something down people's throats they don't want to know about but if they ask us we're going to tell them straight amen if they ask us we're going to tell them the truth there is no other God there is no other Savior the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords amen So we say, O Lord, my Lord, my God, my Savior, my Redeemer, I worship you only. Amen? He's our God. He's the one and only true living God. Amen? And He's the one we're looking to. He's our fortress. He's our help. He's our defender. He's our protector. And as long as we're abiding in that secret place of the Most High, uh, in the shelter of the Almighty, and we're following Him, we're obeying Him, we're, we're, when we need to repent, we repent and we stay on course, we can expect God's protection and we can expect His help even in these dangerous end times that we're living in. But you can see that God's protection is not automatic for everybody in the whole world, regardless of what they believe, what they say, or what they do. It's conditional. God said, if if you abide under the shadow of the Almighty and and, uh, remain in the shelter of the Most High, and He goes, and if you say, the Lord is my refuge, he's my rock, he's my defender, he's my protector, he's my God whom I trust, then a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.